Let's uh, get into this message this morning. And um, again, I want to welcome any of you that are watching that are not part of our church family. I do know this message and this uh, our Facebook stream does go to other people. So we're so glad that you're with us this morning. And especially as we're trying to navigate some really unclear and uncharted waters. And I really want to thank all those who have been emailing me and texting me over the last couple of weeks as I've, led, as I've shared some messages that I feel are really essential for such a time as this. And last week I established the absolute necessity of us having an objective external frame of reference to build our lives upon. I mean, for us as Christians, we have been given God's Word that can shape our thinking. It should shape our thinking, our actions, our ethics, our parenting. It should approach everything and how we handle finances, how we handle relationships. And, and God has given us His Word, which is so helpful to us. <coughs> Pardon me. So last week I sought to establish that as Christians, God has given us His Word to help us. In fact, Paul would write to Timothy and say, uh, to Timothy and to us, that all Scripture is inspired by God. Inspired means God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. You know, God's Word has been the foundation of Western civilization for millennia. For over 2,000 years, it has shaped everything from medicine to science to law to health to social reform. And, and, and so when we come to matters that we're dealing with today, the Bible may not deal directly with vaccinations. It may not deal with technology or social media or science or our political parties. But the, I believe the Bible gives us uh, found principles and foundations and frameworks to deal with these challenges. And that's what I want to explore today. And it, it seems to me that we are living in a world where, where those foundations are being rapidly eroded, where absolute truth has seemed to become not so absolute, quite arbitrary. And it seems now our society is being shaped by individualism. It's being shaped by our rights, my rights, your rights, our opinions, our, our different opinions. All these things are at play at the moment that is, that is pulling at the fabric of our society. And in that space, we're struggling to, to accept positions that are, or opinions that are different to ours. And, so, and that applies, yes, in our secular world, but also within the church. So, so the question I want to explore is how do we, as Christians, walk with biblical truth, especially when some of the decisions we have may have some opposing uh, views even within the church? How can we do what the, what the, what the psalmists Echo the words of the psalmist that would say, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. How can we, as followers of Jesus, allow God's word to do that very thing for us? So in this very short series of messages, I am praying that you will truly discover how God's word guides us, but also how the Holy Spirit uh, works in us and, and shows us and helps us to understand what God is saying to us today. So uh, we're going to pray as I begin, as I move to the rest of this message. So, so Lord God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that it is alive and powerful. I thank you that it is not just ink on paper. It is spoken by you, breathed out by you for our benefit. And Lord, I pray that, that you, Holy Spirit, will give me uh, the ability to articulate what I believe is what you're saying to us today 
for right here, for right now. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just open our ears and our heart to what your Spirit is saying to the church. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so before we look at government today, and I do want to look at, talk a little bit about government today, I want to look at what government was like in the Old Testament. You see, God's plan was that he would always be their king. That was God's plan, that he would be their leader, and then the prophets and the priests would be his appointed mouthpiece to the, to the nation via the king. And so, but the thing was, the Israelites, they wanted their own king. They just wanted to be like all the other nations. And so God, the, the, the story of kings would show us that God chose and established Saul as their king. And he gave kingship the authority to rule, to reign, to provide justice, fairness, and order. That was the role of kingship. Now, even though man's model of government was flawed and man's model of government failed, it was still the vehicle that God chose to outwork uh, his plans and purposes on this planet. And so as we look at Scripture, we find that God was using, uh, he established a, a hierarchy of authority and relationships. He was shaping society in such a way that he would uh, ultimately, he would be the ultimate authority, and through governments and through different hierarchies and authorities, that his perfect plan could come to place. In the Old Testament, he established priests and kings, uh, and as you read across into uh, the, the New Testament, we, we see the authors talking about a hierarchy within families. We've got, children, we've got parents and children. We've got slaves and masters. We've got emperors and subjects. All these, all these hierarchies are very evident in Scripture. And when we look at the life of the church, we see that God also established structure within the church. There's pastors, there's leaders, there's elders, there's older people, younger people. All of these hierarchy, hierarchical positions aren't anyone, no one's better than anyone else. But each, hopefully I'm trying to get out that there is a relationship between authority and every single one of us. In fact, if you remember the story uh, when a Roman centurion came to Jesus and asked for healing for a slave, the guy said to Jesus, I know that you are a man under authority. The Roman centurion knew what authority looked like from a secular world and also knew that Jesus came under authority. And so authority has a plan and a place uh, and a purpose for mankind. God designed it that way. If you look at Ephesians chapter 1, Paul would write regarding Jesus, for he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ. Again, we see this hierarchy established, but all things under the authority of Christ at the head. He has made him head of all things. I love this, for the benefit of what? What does your Bible say? It says, for the benefit of the church, for the benefit of us, his body, on his, his, his representation on the earth today. And if the church and the church is his body and it's made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. You see, God created an order where ultimately Jesus has the greatest authority. And God placed Jesus at the place of greatest honor. And I reminded here again, the benefactor of the authority and the positioning of Jesus is the church. It is for our benefit 
that God has established this authority structure that is in place. Uh, and so, so structure, hierarchy, government, family, church structure, when operating as God intended, is right, is good, and is for our well-being and our benefit. So God's plan for kingship back then and his plan for government in Rome 2,000 years ago and his plan and for and still is his plan for government today is the same. Although much of our governments in our world, much many of them have totally rejected God or his word, but they still operate under his established authority structure. And their goal, their role as government is to establish justice, order, equality, fairness, and to see that people and society flourish. And so this morning, I'm going to dig into a, a question that's, that you, it, it might seem controversial. But the question is, do we today need to submit to our government and to our leaders? How's that for a question? What's everyone saying around your, uh, your lounge room at the moment? Look, this isn't a trick question. And let me make it very clear. The answer to that from Scripture is a resounding yes. I want to talk about what this looks like. And so, so uh, Romans 13, uh, chapter, uh, verse 1 would say, everyone must submit to governing authorities, for authority comes from God, and, from, and, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. That's pretty clear. Uh, Peter would write a similar thing. He would write, For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether as king as the head of state or the officials that he has appointed. Paul would write to Titus and would say, Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do good. I mean, as I said, as, as, as Christians, I, I told you it wasn't a trick question. It's very clear from Scripture that we need to be in submission to our government. And Paul establishes a very important fact. Paul reminds us that all authority comes from God. Every person in authority comes from God and has been placed there by God. Now, that can be really challenging to understand, especially when some of those in authority have no regard for God, have no regard for His Word, or his principles. But you know what, before we sort of get too, too ramped up about that, you know, the audiences that Peter wrote to, the audiences that Paul wrote to, they were facing challenges. You may think uh, at times that we may have bad leaders in our, in our government or authority, or you look around the world and you go, well, well, they're bad leaders. Let me tell you that the, the Romans, when the Romans read this letter that Paul was saying, their emperor was none other than Nero. And so it would be in about three years after the Romans received this letter from Paul that says, submit to your authorities. Three years later, Nero will be persecuting Christians and burning them uh, at the stake to light the streets of Rome or, be, or feeding them to the lions in the, Col in the Colosseum. And you see, so, so Paul is writing to a church with bad leadership. And Paul is saying to them, everyone must submit to these governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. 
You know, uh, I'd encourage you, Romans 13 is a, it's a wonderful uh, scripture, uh, chapter to read regarding what authority is, is there for. And, and Paul makes it clear there that even bad leaders, even Nero, had a place in God's plan. Because all leaders have an op- all, all bad leaders have an opportunity to be good leaders. Each leader in government has a role to play. They have a role to govern and to lead well. And because of their position, God gives them the authority to do that. And ultimately, they are all accountable to God one day. Now, uh, Jesus also experienced this. You may remember the time when Jesus was standing before Pilate, um, before he was crucified. Jesus said in John chapter 19, well, Pilate said, don't you realize that I have the power to release or crucify you? Then Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it was given to you from above. Even Jesus understood that the ones who would execute him were placed there by God. It's not that, that however they got to that position, whether they had voting, whether they, they had to, 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 to stab someone in the back to take their position, no matter how they receive their position of authority, the Bible makes it very clear that God will use them and needs to use them in an effort. And Romans 13 talks about their role is to provide justice and order. That's, that's God's desire for authority on this world today, uh, is that they would provide justice and order uh, for, a, for their uh, communities that they would flourish and ultimately jesus showed us that what true submission looked like and he submitted himself to those who god had appointed even though they were ungodly and in the end would execute him and so so you may be wondering where this message is going to land this morning one one of the analogies i use i sometimes use a sermon like flying a plane and it's easy to take off. I've done some, I, I love the concept of flying. I did some joy rides. I, had, I used to enjoy my flight simulator, all that type of stuff. It's really easy to take off. All you've got to do is put your throttle on, pull back on your lever, and up you go. Not so easy to land. And so I've been praying this morning, all week actually, that uh, it's easy to, to launch this topic uh, as a conversation, as a biblical, uh, to analyze what the Bible says but to land, we need to be a little bit more sensitive and careful. So keep praying for me as I'm delivering this. And so the question is, um, all authority comes, we know, we know all authority comes from God. Scripture makes it clear that we are to submit to authority regardless what we think of them. And so uh, there's, there's probably three reasons Scripture tells us why we are to do this. And uh, Peter would tell us in his passage, he would say, just a verse before, he would say, to be careful to live properly. So this is for the sake of others. Three reasons. Number one, for the sake of others. Be careful to live properly amongst your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Peter is saying here, you know what? When you submit to authority, when you do live rightly, that your neighbors will see that as a witness to God. It's for their sake, for the sake of others, that one of the reasons that we live uh, in obedience or in, in submission to our leaders. Secondly, one Thessalonians, Paul writes this, to make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. This passage and, and the passage that Paul talks about is that we will be in no, 
when we live a life in submission to God and honoring and respecting one another, that people will respect the way we live. It's actually for our benefit. It's for our sake that we, that we live lives that honor God, honor those that God has placed above us. And the last verse here is uh, back to the rest of what Peter was saying in verse 13. So it's for others' sake, for our sake, and Peter would say, for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king is head of state or the officials that he has appointed. You know, so, so when we submit to human authority, it reflects really well on Jesus. Now, this is really important because I'm mindful of so many things in history that have been done in the name of Jesus that has reflected badly on him, that reflected badly on his church. Public Christian figures doing the wrong thing. And, and all of this uh, uh, being the, the name of Jesus and the church of Jesus into disrepute. Into disres- disrepute. So, so to this point, the Bible very clearly points us to recognizing that we all have a place in God's hierarchy with ultimately the goal with Jesus as Lord, but we all have a place to fit in society and God's ordained structure. And I believe our response, no matter what role we take in that where God has placed us in that uh, stratified uh, um, hierarchy, each one of whether, whether you're a, a, a child at home or whether you're a a, a pastor or an elder or a prime minister, no matter what your position is, we've all got authority above us to submit to. And so, the, it's easy to submit to good governments. It's easy to submit when things are going well. It's easy to submit when, when things are flourishing, when the laws uh, uh, work well with us, when, when, when the morals and the ethics are good, and when God is on, being honored, it's really easy for, for us to submit to that. The question I want to now turn our attention to is what if they don't? What if the governments that, or the leaders, this doesn't just apply to governments, it applies to, to leadership as well. What do we do? do what, what if the, the people above us are, are not um, ethically or morally good and, and God is not being honored? What do we do then? Do, do we keep submitting? Do we keep obeying? Do we keep doing what we're told? I'm not too sure what your conversation or what you're thinking about that right now. The question, a couple of, a few thoughts. Where was the voice of the church in Nazi Germany? When, 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 when the world for them was becoming morally and ethically corrupt, where was the voice of the church? If you read the writings of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you would, you would discover that the voice of the church was too silent, too long, and too late. Where was the voice of the church during the slave trading times? Certainly we're grateful for, for the William Wilberforces that, that stood up against that. But where was the voice of the church? Where was the voice of the church when black people were not even considered part of society? They weren't even considered as human beings. Where was the voice of the... Hey, they had verses that we've got to submit to authority. But where was the voice of the church? I believe, this is my opinion, I believe that the church failed in those times. And I'm sure there's many other circumstances and many other times when the churches and the voice of the church was silent for, for reasons I don't understand. But I don't want to sit from my position in 2021 and look back and pass judgment on them, although I'm, I'm doing that by observing what they did. 
I don't want to do it, but what I'm more concerned about is for today. I don't want us in this time, this season, no matter what, I'm not, I'm not just talking about what's happening right now. I'm talking about whatever may come. I'm talking to, uh, hopefully, to, the, to our young people that are here, to, our, to, your, to your grandchildren. I'm talking about the society that we live in. Surely the church must have a voice. In fact, if you think through to God's plan, it was the voice of the prophets and the, pe- and the priests to, to call the king into accountability, the voice of the church. So, so I, I want to ask the question, is it ever right? Is it ever right then to defy the government, its rules? And I'm, I'm not saying, this is not about government, includes government, but I'm talking about is it ever right to defy authority? Is it ever right to, to defy rules that are placed, whether it's the rules your parents are putting in place or the government's putting in place? Is it ever right to do that? to defy them and to disobey its rules and its mandates. How are you doing? I'm just taking pause while you consider those thoughts. Was it, was it right for the three magi from the east to disobey Herod's command to report back to him when they didn't do that, when Jesus was born? Yeah, the, the, the consequence for that would have been death. Was it right for them to do that? Was it right for the two midwives in Moses' day to disobey the orders of the Pharaoh that commanded them to kill the male children? Was it right? Was it right for Daniel to, when the edict had been passed that he was not to pray to any other God, was it right for him to go and open the window? Was it right for him to keep praying to God? Was it right for Daniel's friends to, to not bow down to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar? It was the edict of the land. Was it right for him to stand against that? What about all the prophets that, that stood against corrupt um, kings and corrupt religious institutions? What about Peter and John defying the religious leaders? The, the, the passage was uh, in, in Acts when they uh, are arrested for preaching the name of Jesus and they're brought into their their uh, high council of the Jewish religious people and told not to preach in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John would say, you know, we must obey God, not man. Was it right for them to say that? See, Scripture is full of times of places where people have stood against corruption, morally, politically, ethically. And so back to my question, is it ever right to defy the government or leadership, its rules, its mandates, Surely the answer from Scripture shows us that there is a time. It is right. There is, there is place where the church must speak up, must stand up. The question then is, when? When is that time? Now, before, I, I'm, I'm, before we sort of get to the when, I want to talk about two words that can really help us understand uh, this concept of submission and obedience because we often use those two words interchangeably but they are very different scripturally. And so I want to uh, first look at the the word uh, for submit. This is what uh, we're talking about in the passage we've read today. The the word submit is the Greek word hupertasso. Everyone say hupertasso. Thank you very much. Now, hupertasso is a Greek military term. It means to arrange, which is the, the troops and the divisions, in a military fashion under the command of a leader. It's talking about coming into alignment, coming into order. Now, in non-military use, 
It was a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming a responsibility, and carrying a, bur a burden. And so for the first century uh, readers of, of Paul and Peter's letters, they understood that submission to God's order was important. They both believed, both Peter and Paul believed, that governing authorities are necessary for keeping the peace, that peace that God had established. They understood that God is a God of order, not a God of chaos or anarchy. And so, so they would write um, in their, their letters, they would say, hey, you know, we, we need to submit, you need to come into alignment with, with God's established structure. Now, another word uh, we want to talk about is hupakuo. Everyone say hupakuo. Well done. doesn't need to be done in an Indian accent, but Greek would be better. Um, now, that word is best translated as obey, which literally means to conform, to follow a command, or to do what you're told. This word obey, hupakuo, is used 21 times in the New Testament, and it always, it always suggests a hierarchical context as a relationship between children and parents, and slaves and masters, there's hierarchy there, but the, the instruction is obedience because of hierarchy. The word submission is a little bit different to that. So, so Paul and Peter, writing to the early church, they could have used the word obey. They could have said, we want you to obey the governing authorities that God has placed them and we need to obey them. But they didn't use the word obey. Obey is purely external compliance and you do it without questioning. They chose not to use the word obey. They, choose, they chose to use the word submit. And submit is an attitude of the heart. So as you read the New Testament, I want you to be mindful when you, in your English translation, when you see the word submit, it doesn't have to mean the word obey. They are two very different attitudes and two very different actions and postures. And you'll see times throughout Scripture where Peter and Paul and the other followers of Jesus, they deliberately disobeyed the, the, what was being asked of them. They, when they were in conflict with God's commands, they disobeyed, but they showed us that they still submitted to God's authority and God's uh, structure by accepting the legal consequences of their actions. So they found space to, when, when the, the law was in conflict to what God was asking, they would disobey, but they would still show respect to the submitted, to the order that God had established by accepting the consequences of their actions. So now we come to land the plane. And um, you know, these type of messages are probably really easy to deliver when, when things are going really well when there's no conflict or there's no challenges in our society. And so the question I want to try to land the plane with this morning is how do we try to apply all these biblical principles we're talking about, from submission to, to understanding hierarchy and structure, how we handle good leadership, bad leadership, how, how do we try to apply them to Australia today? Because our society is very different. We're, we're, we're 2,000 years later. Our government is very different. 
We are in a democratic society that is where, we, where you and I have voted for our government as opposed to the, the Roman Senate system, with, which there's all sorts of ways and of, 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 of Caesarship and, and kingship that was taken there. Our circumstances are very different. Our, our health systems are very different. And yet I believe, although we are, are very different in time, in culture, and in context, I believe God's principles are exactly the same to us today in, in Australia, in, in, in New South Wales, as they were in Rome 2,000 years ago. And those principles are, number one, we are called by God to submit to those in leadership above us. I think that is so clear from Scripture. But it's, it's, it's an attitude of heart. Our first response and, uh, must, must be that we don't want to oppose them. Rather, we want to support, honour and respect. That has got to be, and as I read Scripture, I can find no other position for us uh, to be called by God to submit. I'm using the word submit because that's what Paul and Peter are using, the word submit. And submission may not always mean obedience. That's the first thought. Second thought, if we come across situations where man's laws are contrary to God's laws, I do believe that we as the church have a greater responsibility to God. Peter and Paul would say, or Peter and John would say, you know, we, are, we will obey God rather than man. There came a time when they had to make a decision. You see, man's law must not dictate our Christian morals or ethics or obligations. We need to, as the church, be willing to stand up for God's highest standard if we need to be. We need to be able to speak up for bad laws or where society is under threat. We may even need to be prepared to break an unjust law if that is the case. So please don't take a, a sample of this message and say, Mark's saying we need to be prepared to break the law. What I'm saying is when we are deciding how we live our lives under submission to God, under submission to government, what are they asking of us? Is, if it comes into conflict with man's laws and God's laws, our responsibility must be toward God. And like Peter and Paul, we must be willing, if we choose to break a, a man-made law um, working on God running at a higher law, we must be willing to submit to the consequences with respect to the authority that God has placed above us and keep trusting God. So now the plane's about to hit the runway, so, so hopefully well. So I'm, I'm really praying that, that you're going to get God's heart on this. And this is what I'm feeling from God, and I'd appreciate if you have questions or, or comments happy to talk about it, but this is what I believe God is wanting our church to understand from my perspective as I read Scripture. And so holding those two thoughts in place, number one, that, that we, we are called by God to submit to those in leadership above us, from governments to parents to, to whoever else, is to our employers. Number two, if we come across situations where any of those, our parents, our government or our employers are asking us to do some things that are contrary to God's law, we have the opportunity and obligation to stand up to that and to address that in a respectful way. So holding those thoughts in place, we need to remember we, we, we don't follow, or we, we do follow a God of order. We don't follow a God of chaos. We can't just do what we think is right. But a God of order and respect shows us that we need to also respect what he puts in place. So, so when it comes to our laws, 
when it comes to speeding or paying your bills or your rates or, 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 or even our stay-at-home health orders, when it comes to law, I think Romans 13 should really be our guiding uh, scriptures. It should guide us. As we come across the laws that we live under, we should really be wanting to do all we can to submit to those laws. It's, a, it's an attitude of our heart. But remember, if things come up that are uh, contrary to God's laws, we've got to be willing to stand up to them. So number one, Romans 13, it speaks to uh, our, our, our legal, our justice systems. But when it comes to other things, when there are no legal requirements, and one of the things that comes to mind right now, it's very topical, is the concept of vaccinations. And I know this is a really sensitive topic for some. I, I, for me, my understanding is, I think Romans 14 is a better filter to process vaccinations than Romans 13 is. And my next message that I'm going to share, I'm going to be looking at Romans 14 and how we handle not just vaccinations, anything else that comes into differences on how we live our lives that are um, on, on particular issues that can be very uh, uh, deep-seated in our hearts. So I want to encourage you in the next couple of weeks to read through Romans chapter 14, uh, because next week, in case you didn't know, uh, Pastor Wayne Williams, you wouldn't have known, so I would have told you, uh, Pastor Wayne Williamson is, is going to be preaching here uh, from our church pulpit. So it's going to be great to have Wayne here next week. So the week after that, I am going to be looking at how Romans 14 applies to our world today. Romans 13 makes it very clear. It speaks to our response, our heart toward all those that are above us, uh, regardless of parents or governments. Uh, and we need, to sub we need to be willing to submit to them, to, to be able to speak up, have conversations respectfully when we come across things that, are, that we think are uh, bad or things that are detrimental to God's design for community and society. And number two, other things, when there's other added things in place, let's go to Romans 14 and we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. So let me end this message. Uh, I've now hit the runway. You might think I've crashed and burned. Um, I'm praying that I've actually landed safely and um, I want to close with reading what Paul would tell Timothy to do and, uh, and pray. And I'm going to invite Ali to join me as I'm praying, uh, as Timothy, as Paul asks us to do. So Paul says to Timothy, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. We're going to do that for our church family in a minute. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. I think that's the call for us. How we handle our situation right now is an attitude of heart, an attitude of honour, an attitude of understanding God's, ultimately God is the one that we should be submitted to the law of God. That is our primary, uh, as a church, that is our primary law, the law of Christ, to love one another and to do as God calls us to do in this world he's called us to live. <coughs> so let's pray and, uh, and then we'll transition to our, our, our prayer request. So Lord, I just thank you for your word. Lord, I've got nowhere else to go in this time of uncertainty, in this time of opinion and political comment and, and social media. Lord, I've got nowhere else to go but your word. And I pray for all of us, Lord, it would be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. 
And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to, to process our, our context through your word. Lord, I thank you. I do thank you for the government you've placed uh, in front of us, uh, above us, Lord. I, and I do want to pray for them. I pray that they would truly be able to ultimately find you as the source of truth and hope and life. And Lord, that they would understand that they are positioned by you or placed by you in order to see our country, this great nation of ours, flourish and grow, certainly from our perspective and, your, and heaven's perspective, to grow toward heaven, to grow toward to a faith. But Lord, even in that, Lord, I pray that they would still find you in the midst of their journeys as they try to lead us well. So I pray for them. I pray for our health systems. I pray for all those that are around us, Lord. I pray that you'll help us as a church and as a people to understand what it is to submit with our hearts that are wanting to do all we can to support. Lord, I pray that you'd also help us as a church to understand where the line gets crossed. Lord, even if there is laws or mandates or, or situations that, are, that we feel are contrary to you and to all that you are, all that Jesus represents, Lord, help us to be able to speak, know where to speak, when to speak, what to say, and to do it with love and to do it with respect. And I, I ask that you help us as a church to navigate through that. And so, Lord, I pray as we do that, that, that we as a church can live peaceful and quiet lives, that our lives will be marked by godliness and dignity. And so, Lord, I just thank you for this time. I pray your Holy Spirit will continue to speak uh, truth to us and help us as a church to go on a journey to, to wrestle with this, to talk about it and actually find your truth and to continue to find your peace. In Jesus' name. Amen.